<laughs> yeah, gammon is a slur. Gammon is a slur. Um, but, but what do we call the delicious treat? <laughs> I thought, you know, I, I sort of wonder whether they're angry because they assume that, like, we don't kind of take as the de, de facto principle that you can have more than one type of gammon. And that there is a wide diversity in, like, types of gammon tones. Well, there's the, I think the difference is there's, there's smoked gammon and the smoked gammon wants Britain to nuke everyone now. Mm. And the unsmoked gammon is voicing some serious concerns that Britain might not preemptively nuke everyone. And like it's a the, subtle difference. Is there like, so I don't eat ham or gammon because, you know, Sharia, Sharia law and everything. Here, uh, of course, broadcasting from, broad, uh, from broadcasting, the studio. Broadcasting, Caliphate. broadcasting from the no-go zone of Tower Hamlets. Obviously, um, I, I, I had to, I, I had to like racistly brown up just to get in here. <laughs> Uh, I had to call everyone I met in the street Achi, and now I have a sore throat. Um, I'm, I'm getting cancer from the hookah, and um, all of my wives are really bothering me. It's it's like an everybody loves Raymond situation, but he's got like thirty Debs. <laughs> spent the last 30 seconds wondering what honey smoked gammon would vote for <laughs> vince cable right yeah it's the right color yeah. you know it's it's got it's it's just a, it's just sweet enough but it's got a little bite you know it's like the liberal democrats of gammon. I'm, I'm, yeah okay i'm happy now yeah Thank it's you. that's and then we have the only of course the only people in in the uk politics obviously mm is a section of the Labour Party. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only ones who aren't gammon. Or, oh, God. F- before we get into the shit. They're like a nice kind of medium cooked steak. Speaking of like comparing people to food, there's something I want to get into before we start, which is I found this video on Twitter the other day, and I'm going to pull the audio and I'm going to play it. Um, but it's, it's, of just, it's a close-up shot of a woman um, talking about specific plans for dealing with mixed race parents once the U.S. becomes an ethno state, oh, while just yeah. eating a giant forkful of plain chicken. Oh yes, I saw this, but I wasn't sure whether it was like because I, I wasn't sure whether she was messing around or whether it was kind of Gallic cosmos brain, like like she's eating chicken tartar. This is well, <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like if you got like a raw chicken, right, right, and you boiled it. Oh, Sue's boiled chicken. This used to be a meme like four years ago. I, I, I remember this. What? It was just there was this picture of a of a can of chicken, like a whole chicken in a can. And just the caption on the tweet was Jesus Christ, Sue, because it was called Sue's chicken. And this thing went everywhere. I, yeah, I don't it, know who eats this stuff. Well, no, it's, it's yeah, it's worried about it's white culture. Uh, yeah, okay. Like white culture <laughs> has to be proud of its food traditions, and also you know has to be proud of its food traditions. It's, you can't be mixing. You know, it's, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like the bodybuilders, like the really purest bodybuilders who refuse to marinate their chicken. So they will because so they only eat to for macros. They only eat to kind of you know bulk up or like cut down. So they don't fuck with like marinades. They don't fuck with you know the only thing they go with is salt and maybe a bit of pepper. If like it's a weekend and you're feeling a bit edgy, I'm gonna start a version of of, of CrossFit where actually instead of having macros, you have races 
and you need to have all the right mix of, of, of races in your ethno state in order to get truly hench. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you joke. That's probably. I mean, you could probably put that on like bodybuilders.com. Yeah, and like, yeah. yeah. Oh, have you ever um, been on bodybuilding.com? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Mm. Like so many guys, it, it alternates between guys asking about their squat form and then guys asking like where these random little hairs are coming from, and then asking <laughs> if it's like if it's gay to like help your friend bust in the shower. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's no, of course not. That's that's just, mindset. You're just helping out, bro. I'm gonna search for the most amazing thing that ever happened on bodybuilding. <laughs> which I've, I've kind of forgotten, and I might get back to it in about ten minutes with this. It's, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> the basically there was an argument that went on for five days, and I think the thing was it was about why the clock starts at twelve. <laughs> yes, yes, it was, yes, yes, it? Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. making this up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. two two people got in an argument for for. I mean, actually, we'll return to this theme, I guess, a bit later. <laughs> but they argued for like like linear time didn't exist to these people. It just went on and on. They got married and have children and carried on arguing about the shape of the of the clock. It was great. Was anyway, that, yeah. That's time yeah. cube yeah. at this point. <laughs> that's, the, that's the text of a Dr. Bronner soap bottle. Yeah. There, was, there was another like internet argument that was sort of like this, but it was about like football. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't remember what it is. It's like racking, like yeah, but it's like one of those really stupid arguments. It's just like so dumb to everyone, but it goes on for like a stupid amount of time, um, and it's basically set kind of the precedent for like our current media climate. Uh, where and, columnists and, and, just uh, and podcasting and podcasting. Um, <laughs> Everyone po- fucking loves podcasting. But, but podcasting is an art form, and I would like to say that I really hope that in 2021 the British Press Awards will recognise podcasting um, as not only a form of news and media, but also as the highest form of, of capitalism. Of, of yeah. Um, so when our when our fans stage a dirty protest to force the British press towards a Nick Ferrari, who at this point will just like be a brain inside a machine. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so when he finally kind of announces the awards for best British podcast, and it somehow goes to uh, there's no such thing as a fish again. Well, I know. Um, it would go to the fun porn podcast. You know the one where they say all the dirty words. Oh yes. <laughs> um, I found the argument. Okay, what's it? Oh, hell yeah. You sound like one of my tutors. Positively Arsenal. (laughs) If Arsenal pay 25 million for a 29-year-old striker from the Portuguese league, I will be available to be knocked down by a feather all summer. It's not a controversial tweet. A reply comes from Blackburn George. He's 28. There's a reply to this. He's a lot nearer 29 than he is 28. That is a fact. He's 28. Now that is a fact. (laughs) What? Um, I'm not surprised that fractions are beyond you. The day after his birthday, he is no longer 28. He's 28 until he becomes 29. That's how it works. Perhaps if you'd paid more attention in math lessons, you might remember. Round up or down to the nearest whole number. He is 28. That is a fact. No. It is not £1.75 equals £1. You don't even understand what a fact is now. Until he's 29, he's 28. This continues. On Twitter <laughs> for days. This guy basically sounds I like. I love the internet. I just. Oh, yeah. This wouldn't have been possible. Every day I wake up and I think I'm going to have a really productive day. I'm not going to go <laughs> online. And then I turn on Twitter. I'm just like, oh, someone's being stupid again. And that's my whole day just gone. Oh, duty calls. Put on my posting cap. Uh, <laughs> I put on my posting cap and I get my tool belt, which consists of a gif of a pig shitting on its own balls, and I go to work. <laughs> Um, and a, a corn wallet chain. No, hold on, I don't work for the Spectator. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not Brendan O'Neill here, guys. 
I, I, my, my theme song is, is sunshine lollipops and shit. It's, it's not, of course. Oh shit. I, I yearn for the day when the floating brain of Nick Ferrari in the tank presents you with podcast of the year stride up with your corn wallet chain dangling on stage. It's, Thank you, Nick. It's been a long road. <laughs> <laughs> I had some issues, you might say. The I got goes wild. I, can't I got I got really I got really really good at doing an impression of the Down with the Sickness song by Disturbed <laughs> because of the amount that we talk about Brendan O'Neill. Hey, speaking of guys, you want to talk about? Something some of the shit yeah but we should intro ourselves sorry oh fuck I, I, we've done like dozens of episodes of this show now i have never once gotten the opening right on the, on the last episode we didn't intro ourselves oh shit yeah fuck okay all right guys mindset what do you need to do if you want a successful business uh defraud investors to the tune of 700 million dollars with like a sort of fakey blood test thing and have a really deep voice like elizabeth holmes or you've got to introduce yourself you got to get your name out there uh, so uh, I hear, I hear that's always good. So, yeah. um, welcome to Trash Future. <laughs> Fuck you, Zen. Um, <laughs> this, this is my union gig. This, this is this is now my podcast, uh, and it's the number one Volcel podcast in all of iTunes. Um, you know, so all the other Navara shit can just back the fuck up um, my name's Hussein Kizvani I uh, I am the main host of this show uh, uh, I'm I'm cucked I'm I'm, 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 I'm Riley I, I rarely know what's going on but I sometimes make references to anime uh, I'm I, I came on this show part way through uh, Milo is of course missing uh, he called Putin a vol cell and is now one of the UK diplomats being detained in Russia. Uh, so our hearts go out to him. We're going to pour one out for our boy. Uh, my name is uh, Alan Woods. I'm a journalist. I'm really Hussein's mentor in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I remember when... when well, you're left. my mentor now. Well, okay. I just remember when he left the place we were, when we were both working and I said to him, Hussein, you have to understand that British journalism is a burning trash pile and... If you want to survive in this game, your tweets are going to have to get <laughs> so much worse than they are. And in fairness, the, the guy took that to heart on a level that I, I could scarcely have expected. I'm pretty surprised by how bad my tweets have gotten yeah. since I left. Well, I oh, think, so am I. It's, yeah. It was way beyond my expectations. It's, it's partly the influence of this show, I think. Yeah. It's like we've given, because I think one of the reasons that you started, here's a peek behind the curtain, is I think you were looking for an excuse to like be stupider online. Yes. And yeah. now it's actually a part of your brand. Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's very difficult now. I, I got screened for a very serious BBC show the other month and they said no to me because genuinely they weren't sure whether like if they put me on camera, whether I was actually going to be serious this is with anything I said. Force and it's like, <laughs> I feel like me being on this podcast, I was saying this to you, it's like, you know, the episode of MTV Unplugged when corn um, and they just randomly wheel out Robert E. Smith towards the end and all these millennials go who the hell is this fat old guy actually he's surprisingly enjoyable to listen to this is 
really. I think yeah. that's what this is. Well, look, we're like. <laughs> I, I feel. I feel like. I feel like podcasting is like the new metal of music. Right. Um, no one really wants it to be that. We. No one's we, not sure why they're there. We're the rapper in Limp Biscuit. <laughs> what we are is what we do is we do a Greek chorus style version of all of the rap lyrics, um, so that the audience knows what's going on. Now. <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do the thing where I, I sort of yank us back in, into into subjects. into into subjects and stuff. Um, Alan, we've we've got you on because you know a thing or two about a thing or two. Uh, in addition to just sort of journalism shenanigans and skullduggery, which we sort of interact with quite a bit on this show because the world is good. Um, you also know a bit about outsourcing and PFI and stuff. I, I wrote the book on this. I mean, I literally wrote the book. No one read the book or bought the book. <laughs> I wrote the book. If someone wanted to find the book, what would they search? Oh, they, could buy it, they could buy it. It's called The Shadow State. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah, it's called The Shadow State. It basically explains that um, uh, these outsourcing companies are getting too large to fail. I wrote it in like 2014. I said, look, the government's found itself kind of in hot to these giant corporations. Um, and then, uh, like, uh, earlier this year, Carillion happened, and the updated book, I fucking told you so, will be out. Uh, the, uh, Simon and Schuster's notes, uh, one word. Yeah, no, uh, anyway, yeah, uh, we'll talk about that stuff. <laughs> nice. First, uh, we had some, we have to do the, the traditional segment that we do all the time, the uh, Trash Future Grievance Corner. <laughs> what, do, what, do you, what was the, what's the biggest grievance, the biggest stupidest grievance that's happened in the British media in the last month? Do you think? I mean, I mean, we've prearranged what it's going to be. I mean, we've already talked about this. I mean, it could just be like everything on Telegraph Premium. Just everything. I mean, can I can I say it? Oh, you can say it. Okay. What day was it? I forget the date, but it's her pin tweet. You know, she pinned this tweet like a, uh-huh. like a dunce bad. <laughs> find it. Okay. It's like a, it's a super niche tweet. I mean, I shouldn't, I don't know why this I'm is so the, angry still. It was, it was. This is like a grievance, fans no, grievance. She's, she's not even sticking by her words. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll, I'll find Earlier it. Earlier this year, the right-wing journalist Isabel Oakshot got off, got on the train at Oxford Parkway Station. <laughs> and on her way to the train, she took a photo of the car park. As you do. She, she, the, a picture can be manipulated we all know this. And her picture was just of a row of disabled parking spaces. And she captioned it with something like, what did she say? Uh, I'm, I'm in character now as Isabel Oakshot. A triumph of political correctness over common sense. <laughs> Correct. Right. So, so you, what you see is a picture of, um, of, of empty disabled parking spaces. Um, and it is a triumph of political correctness over common sense because... Because evidently there are too many disabled parking spaces for the number of disabled people ready to use those spaces at that time, mm-hmm. and this is bad. Agreed. Well, we all know that. Calling Sorry, them out God. now. Um, look, here's the thing. Uh, it didn't take very long for people to do research on this. They found that there are, I think, 800 parking spaces at Oxford Parkway, of which 40 are disabled parking spaces, and. Um, that is the uh, average sort of proportions given the number of disabled badge owners. There are literally the correct number of disabled parking spaces, um, like for the number of people 
who have disabled badges if the entire car park was full at that time. I appreciate that this is getting boring, but trust me, I'm incredibly angry still. Um, so look, uh, this is pointed out to Isabel, and I kind of think at that point, when it's pointed out to you, you go, you know what, that's kind of, that makes sense, right? You have the average number of disabled spaces for the average number of people. But she just goes in. She just carries on. Yeah. She just, like, she just plows on because this is what we do in 2018. Like, we don't just go, yeah, okay, I kind of fucked that up. We, ju- we just, we just motor on, right? And I want to know how committed Isabel Oakshot is to this. Is she going to be going around to Oxford Parkway in the dead of night, repainting these spaces, scratching them out so that we've just got, I don't know, five? What's the right number? Someone tell me the right number. What, she never what, gives the number. Oakshot's response was, uh, I think you know the answer to that question, referring to someone who is asking if it's the right number. Unless the Paralympics are coming to Oxford, pretty obvious this is disproportionate. Okay, well, number one, and having worked briefly in the civil service, let's not rule that out. You you (laughs) contingency plan, right? But number two, what is the right number? Please. Hell, it's the it's, it's Isabel Oakshot's, you know, here. She's representing, I think, this weird kind of like sort of almost Calvinist version of conservatism that's been imported into the UK from the US, where the world is just sort of relentlessly sorted into winners and losers by God or the market or genes or whatever. And it's up to society to make sure we reward the winners as much as possible and punish and humiliate the losers as much as possible. And Isabel Oakshot's, you know, here saying, ugh, why do I have to? And that's the thing. It's not even a full parking lot. It's an empty parking lot. There are 850 empty spaces and she's zoned in on 40 empty ones and got angry. Uh, It's like, my, 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 my thing is like, I just... I just don't understand any of it anymore. <laughs> it's, ex- it's extremely 2018 in the sense that, like, you basically find stuff to get outraged at and you post it so you get your engagements, right? You get your hearts and your resources. You end up with this weird, weird, like, kind of vision of a hand-wringing local council employee <laughs> who, for reasons of political correctness, is is kind of, you know, overruling the common sense uh, uh, car park designers who only have like you know five disabled parking spaces because that's how many disabled people there mm. are in the world and going no 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 we, we must cock a snook at the uh, the establishment and and put in forty mm. and um, I just it, you know I'm furious I'm still furious well it's <laughs> that it's a she she's uh, Michael Oakshot's relative correct uh, Lord Oakshot's yeah daughter, I believe yeah he's a Lib Dan. Oh no! Okay. I mean, obviously, she's most famous for a certain uh, book uh, that involved a certain prime minister and a certain porcine anecdote. That that was her work. Um, well, so really, she's so of course she's a centrist journalist. You know, she, on the one sense, she's you know being a horrifying melt who is trying to like you know limit the 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 rights of the disabled to just access basic services in the country. But on the other hand, she's reporting the truth, the hard truth. Right. Well, actually, you know the weirdest thing—the the that- tumescent, turgid truth. <laughs> the weirdest thing is that tweet followed on from one before that was about the poor plight of disabled people in Britain. I'm not making this up. Like, it, and that is a very classic sort of centrist commentator trope. Like, you give with one hand, now here comes the stick. Wallop. Too many disabled spaces. And I'm, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's like, it's, that's the reason they call it the personal independence payment, is so you can be independent of government funding. Right, right. I mean, I could keep going on about this. I could talk about the fact that actually it's more, it's more, you, you should actually, I think you should have more disabled spaces because more disabled people need to drive to train stations. 
Is that is that a that's controversial? That, that's cosmic thinking. You should that's you, me stepping right outside. The you box. should leave your job and join this magazine called Living Marxism. <laughs> well, to, I, I mean that's that's a, now that's a spike to take. <laughs> crazy, crazy liberals, bourgeoisie want to enable the disabled to park places, but the disabled don't want your pity. You know what? I do know, like so. I kind of grew up in Kent and I still like live in Kent and there are lots of kind of Isabel Oakshock types who are there and they kind of frequent the Asda. Um, and I've often, I'm ha- sure they have a fucking name for it too. Like an, like an ironic faux fancy name, like the Asda. Yeah. You know, you so, you know, you put like the little accent at the end. Um, cause it's fancy like that. Um, and I, you know, I've heard, you know, on several occasions about how like, you know, these people are really frustrated that they couldn't get parking in the Asda, but you know, anyone with a blue badge can just park wherever they want. Right, um, you know, I think it comes. And that is political correctness, which means literally anything right now. In 2018, it means literally something I don't like. Yeah, this is political correctness. I have been run over. This is political correctness gone mad. It's, yeah, yeah. But look, all I'm saying is that, like, when I was banned from entering uh, Stepney Green Tube Station because my wallet chain was too long, <laughs> that was political correctness yes. gone mad. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was literally correct. Yeah, yeah it was. It, it was wrong. It was too long. It was. It was a political statement. It, well, it it was the. Politi- and ironically, it was against political correctness. <laughs> but what I mean, I, I kind of wonder, like, right? What's it's? It, I think it just sort of the, the fact that sort of there is someone who's going there, who's just walking around, like trying to get mad at the apportionment of spaces in an empty parking lot, just speaks to just how stupid the concept of discourse is, and reminds us that we just shouldn't respect anybody. And it's it's Wallace Sayers' law, right? It's that thing of the the proportion of outrage is always it's always in, indirectly. Uh, proportional relationship to the significance of the issue at hand. So you zone in on something like car parking. That's brilliant. That's going to get people bubbling, right? That's how that's how most commentators operate. Richard Littlejohn's the classic for this. He will zone in on some poor local council official in Skegness who's done something that may or may not have happened, and 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 it, and you know thousands and thousands of male readers will fulminate because it's a, precisely because it's a small thing. Yeah. You know, you tell them that the global banking system has collapsed and, and people just don't really know what to make of it. But everyone can get mad about, you know... Yeah, it's ex- well, every, accessible outrage. Every, every, everyone can get mad that, like, some university somewhere is providing vegetarian options on Mondays. You know, that's... it's it's. I think it's... Honestly, I think it's because, like, so many of these people are just basically just anhedonic balls of rage who are just who these sort of like white knuckling their fucking fucking steering wheels they drive from this like weird suburban house they hate to like an IT job in Luton that they also hate to have a weird pret sandwich that they also hate and their kids don't respect them and they're getting a divorce and like for some reason one of their parents has moved isn't, to a Spanish this, island this is going to be you oh god I hope not <laughs> but but what I back to gammon remarkably yeah. quickly but what i what i'm what i'm getting at here is like these are people who are just who are furious and just ready to pop at the slightest idea that once again something in their life could conceivably get worse because these are people who are locked in like a plush cage that they can't rip or punch yeah i mean it, you know, there is, there, there, is like a, there is logic to that, right? Which is that when you've kind of got this life that's like set and it's really monotonous and even though like in all objective terms, like you're doing fine, 
um, you know, you know, you're still human at the end of the day. And when you, you know, those minor disruptions are the ones that really get to you. It's kind of why like road rage is such. Can I, you know, can but, I talk about another beef I have? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. Look, I am now. We were getting really, too smart. So I'm really sorry to say this, but I'm now blocked by Peter Hitchens. Same. Pour one out from a man. So, <laughs> and the thing is, here's the thing. I searched my tweets to Peter Hitchens, and and it is just four years of of me. Um, Half our listeners are American. Who is Peter Hitchens? I, he's the brother of Christopher Hitchens, who of course you'll all know. Um, he is uh, a writer for the Mail on Sunday, not the Daily Mail. He's very very keen to make it clear that it is the Mail on Sunday and not the Daily Mail, and not the Mail Online, despite that being the website where his pieces are hosted. And which in, in one, it's a subtle sum exchange. I said. Uh, routinely uh, sexualized young people and was he happy with that didn't get a reply anyway um he uh, we've we've had beef for a very long time and um basically uh it really kicked off over cycle helmets <laughs> <laughs> so um significant issue facing us today that's worth getting infuriated so about is a, so he's a weird he's a weird intellectual the, the horseshoe theory is incredible with Hitchens. <laughs> so Hitchens is actually a Corbyn supporter, or the closest thing to a, a, a support he has for a politician is Corbyn. And his thinking on this, from what I can discern from reading his posts, is that um, that's because no one else is right-wing enough. So therefore, <laughs> <laughs> I have to wow. support Jeremy Corbyn. So, so it, it, reading him is an experience, right? I'm putting it that way. And um, the beef was his, he has an unerring belief that cycle helmets make things less safe. If you wear a cycle helmet, you're more likely to crash. And I, you know, kind of snarkily said to him, so what, if I put a cycle helmet on, I'm, I'm, I'm more inclined to just plow into a Pantechnican for like <laughs> lols, am I, Peter? And, um, and it just this argument with him went on for uh, I think five days and the thing that was like pointed out to me was that Peter Hitchens doesn't believe in linear time so he's able to sustain this argument for for, for days on end uh, when, when I say he doesn't believe in linear time he, he literally is on record on Twitter saying that the new year is a Soviet plot um, so like, well, so it's this, actually still eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, so this went on for a very long time, and then, and then he, um, take, he, he kind of announced that um, anyone who tweeted a GIF would be blocked. Um, this was a new policy he'd inculcated. Hmm. The thing is, Peter Hitchens follows zero people on Twitter. Galaxy um, Brain. It appears to use the app to search his name and have fights with people, which I <laughs> thought was, I mean, this is incredible for free. I can just put a fight with Peter Hitchens at any time. Yeah. Um, and um, um, so I then <laughs> tweeted a GIF, which uh, showed uh, his uh, triggering, intensifying at the sign of uh, societal decay. Um someone made a gift to embody this and within seconds I was blocked and that was the end of really quite a journey <laughs> I can't remember why Peter Hitchens blocked me but I think it was for like oh no I know why he blocked me because I actually invited him to come on Trash Future right that's fair enough yeah, I would have blocked <laughs> yeah, yeah. anyone who would invite me on this garbage show um, <laughs> um, and, and I think the I, mean, I suppose the thing I'm driving at with all this stuff is that I find col columnists generally a weird thing in 2018 Yeah, they are a weird institution I don't quite get 
you know, there are certain columnists who have insight, deep insight into certain issues. And okay, fine, you can't, everything doesn't have to be a news story, that's fine. But you have this other weird subset of person who seems to zone in on increasingly kind of trivial things mm. and just exist to stir up outrage. And I don't know that the newspapers have like done market research that shows that these people need to be paid the huge salaries they are. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what societal benefit it offers. I mean, I think I, it made I've, very little. I've, I've done some amateur research and I have almost pure conclusive proof that they definitely do because they provide podcast content. Right. In fact, I just... <laughs> one of, I just That's what it is, it's feeding the podcast one of, one, in fact, one of this is this is almost sort of quite telling. One of Peter Hitchens' most recent uh, column titles for the Mail on Sunday, uh, which is just on the Mail Online, of course, because these two newspapers are not that different. Um, Peter Hitchens, the transgender zealots are destroying truth itself. Here we go. Uh, I didn't know that Paris Lees and Sean Fay actually had set up some, like, C4 charges along the admittedly philosophically comp- contentious concept of truth, I'm but apparently they have. In here. I want to hear more. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this really pretty quickly because we got some stuff to go for. The picture it looks, is of a kid who definitely has like a double-barreled name. Oh yeah, and he's wearing, wearing a sweet wearing, crown. Wearing a tiara. Most of these politically correct fads are just designed to wind us up and provoke us, unlike any of these crazy, insane right-wing journalists. For example, I now regret having wasted so much time trying to argue rationally about same-sex marriage. All the sexual revolutionaries wanted was an excuse to call me a bigot. Yes, Peter, that's all they wanted. They didn't want to, I don't know, get married. No, they wanted to piss you off. I actually kind of think these people are solipsists. Like, I don't think Isabel Oakeshott thinks there really are any disabled people, because I don't think <laughs> Isabel Oakeshott actually thinks anyone else exists. It- so weird. And so it's, it's a, these, these people, they just they see the world in relation to themselves and anything they disagree with, they think it must be irrational. And so, you know, they, 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 they write you know, headlines like people saying, like, you know, expressing the gender you feel as opposed to the sex you were born is actually like making it so that we, I can't know if I've just taken off my glasses demonstratively because all truth is completely up for question. I mean, amazingly, actually, along those lines, I did. This is so incredible. I did see Peter Hitchens at a train station. Not, no, not, yeah, which one? And, uh, Where did he park? Where did he park? Where did he park? It was Knoxford Parkway. I can tell you that. But like, I saw him, and I was so. I, I wish, I wish that I had uh, staged a cycle accident in front of him, in which I was saved by my helmet. <laughs> I mean, I'm petty enough to have done that. I would have. I would have gone on the train with him, like wherever he went to, even if it was like miles away from like where I lived, <laughs> just so just so that I could just ask him like really benign nine questions i mean hitchens russia take is really interesting as well okay because it's it's he gets accused of being a putin apologist right and as we all do yeah once right. in our and, lives and he but he actually has moved like away from the initial take so the initial take was actually it's the west of the aggressor and obviously that's like a, a, a strain of thought that's you know not uncommon but it's now moved to it doesn't matter whether russia's the aggressor or not they're just better than us, so we should <laughs> pick a fight, which is, which is like, again, it's that kind of weird cosmic brain thing. It's like, I'm just going to step things up a notch. No, he's, what he's doing is, is he's basically like telling Russia uh, respectfully and consensually that he is interested in a dom. <laughs> you know, he, he is a, a sub-slot pay pig and he wants someone to step on his balls uh, with a matryoshka doll. 
The amazing thing is that if you were to tweet that and include his name, he'd he'd, he'd pick a fight with you over it. Um. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I got sh- I got shit to do. Yeah. He doesn't really. He's gonna like. He's gonna post it like on his way after the show. <laughs> well, on on the on on the Russia takes. I mean, I, I I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna make my opinion known on uh, Chris Leslie, friend of the show, and John Woodcock, friend of the show, two Labour MPs that should probably just join the Tories at this point. Essentially, la- Labour MPs are are writing in like the Telegraph and the Daily Mail at this point. <laughs> Um, saying that, like, in time, and this is John Woodcock, who's now, like, doing a no-confidence motion in Jeremy Corbyn because I guess he wants Anna Subri to be prime minister. Um, who doesn't, you know? Go yeah, who power. doesn't want woke subs? Uh, in times of threat, Britain, I'm a male is, strong- feminist, Britain so. is strongest when its people stand shoulder to shoulder against adversity. That's what drove Clement Attlee, Ernest Bevan, and others to join Winston Churchill's war cabinet to defeat Hitler. Uh, so... What he basically wants is because, you know, um, basically he, he's decided that we have this army and we have Trident and he's just desperate to use it so that he can then have the electoral power of saluting shipment after shipment of flag draped coffins as they come back in and he'll never lose to another UKIP candidate again. I, I mean, like I'm, you know, for the most part, <clears throat> you know, I'm anti-war, but like I saw Pacific Rim this weekend. Um <laughs> You know, again, again, uh, <laughs> and I was like, like every weekend, obviously. Yeah, now, you know, I'm kind of thinking to myself, you know, if you could build some cool robots, why not? You know, I weird. Actually. So I was like gearing up for war. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, equipped myself with an assault rifle. No, uh, so basically, have I you got like, like a bunker in like underneath Oxford Parkway? What I was gearing up for was another Labour rebellion. Do you remember like the last one with yeah, yeah. everyone resigning and yeah. all that stuff? And I don't think it's going to happen because I feel like that the, like those guys have made the same noises they always make. Yeah. And then you've now, but you've already got like these moderate Labour voices going, no, not this one. No, we can't pick the We're not going to win. It's not going to work. Don't do it. Like, yeah. So Theo Bertram, who's like, you know, centrist ad royalty. Yeah. <laughs> he came out on Twitter and went, actually, Gordon, I have a point. <laughs> um, well, no, we've never gone to an ill-advised war on flimsy premises before. And even if we did, I'm sure it would work out great. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be good. Um, no, and that's the other thing right now, especially like we, the electorate knows that now that George Osborne said we've hit our budgetary targets, we have money to burn. We got to like, we got to we gotta do a war. Got to build those Jaegers, man. Yeah, we got to build Jaegers and we got to go to war in Russia for no reason uh, because uh, of uh, I, uh, norms, I think. I think it's norms. Hmm. I'm so saying we Jaegers. I think that would be cool. <laughs> because build them. Um, I'd be like, I'd be pro-war if they were like, we're going to go to war, but we're only going to do it through giant robots. <laughs> now, Elon Musk would be up for that. I think that's why he's hired all the onion writers. I'm personally pro-giant robots, irrespective of war. You're pro what? Giant robots, irrespective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think we have way too many disabled parking spaces for giant robots. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd, I'd personally, yeah. Have, have you ever thought about like what will happen if like all this AI shit comes and like what these columnists will be outraged about? 
Like, will they be? Will they be outraged? That, I like, swear to God, it will be the same bullshit. Will it be? It'll be it, like the nukes yeah. will be landing, and <laughs> Isabel Oakshaw will still be standing in Oxford Park <laughs> car park, <laughs> scratching at the floor. No, you know. no. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be someone being like, uh, "Sorry, liberals, but I don't worship the technology of the before time. <laughs> I worship wastelands mutant." <laughs> Or like hot te- or like hot takes in the spectator about why like giving your date giving all your data to Elon Musk's like new comedy startup is actually very very good and if only liberals would let it happen. Um, yeah, Elon Musk's definitely gonna like you know what it is it's that he's he's tired of everyone dunking on him for his corny rockabilly ass ideas of like other people to write his jokes. Yeah, he's him. getting other people to like script out his life so he won't be just some like epic bacon Reddit John Ron Swanson <laughs> gift posting so, guy. So basically, I'm so, I'm so excited for Brendan O'Neill's hot take <laughs> on the snowflake millennials who <laughs> can't stand the nuclear wasteland. It's gonna be in me. my day. In when I when I was young, I did the real working class thing of walking up uphill to school both ways where we were taught actually that boys were boys and girls were girls in the middle of nuclear winter brendan o'neill will write a whole t- like hot take um about this we have to play his theme song about, guess, about yeah. this sensitive snowflake called shinji akari who just won't stop crying um and get into the dam get into the dam either whatever i found that show to be frustrating by the second <laughs> half i'm sorry guys i have nothing to bring to this conversation it's, like, um, it's, an oblig- it's an obligatory like anime reference it has to happen all i can bring to the, any anime conversation is 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 three times three eyes which no one watched even in 1996 <laughs> <laughs> crying freeman the live action no and uh, akira because well know, yeah akira I'm white middle class and every white middle class child has seen that film oh yeah, yeah. it's like that's normie i used to <laughs> I, I, I i used to like turn i when i was cycle when i was a chubby chubby kid and I used to like cycle to swim practice in Canada. I would turn, I would actually t- during the day would turn on the back light of my bike, hoping it would create like a streak like Canada. <laughs> I was so, I was fucking getting laid as a, as a teen. I was so cool. I was, fu- I was fucking sweet. No. Okay. So, uh, British journalism, it's, uh, it's folks, good, folks, folks, it's, 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 it's petty and stupid. Out of 10, how would you rate it? British journalism as a in 2018 or, just uh, anything uh, I mean I would, as a medium as an art form as a way of life as, a, as, a, as, a, as an elaborate prank I, I think <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it's weird you know because some good stuff happens in between the absolute <laughs> shit so I'm going to yeah. give it a 7 Okay. <laughs> like I, that's what I give everything I give, it, I give it three and a half chefs kissing fingers out of five yeah. <laughs> discourse rating it's weird. It's the it's that, that feral animals quote, you know, the Tony Blair thing is quite true in that you just have this pack of rabid dogs chasing cars. And sometimes it's quite right for them to chase that car. There's something quite bad going on inside that car. Other times the car is just going to a disabled yeah, parking spot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can drop the mic. There. <laughs> well, actually, what I might want to do is I might want to drop the mic into our more informative session on uh, PFI and outsourcing. Smart. Smart? <laughs> this is Rick and Smorty. <laughs> That's how we indicate that we're getting to the smart section now. <laughs> Is we, we tell everyone to turn off the podcast and watch Rick and Morty, the genius show, obviously. The genius show about the about the sauce that's actually very good. 
Um, if, if you guys thought the last half hour was tedious, just wait for this. <laughs> okay, so, so, okay. So, uh, PFI Alan, isn't a fried chicken joint. You, you mentioned your, your book at the very beginning. When, uh, when did you publish your first book about PFI and outsourcing? So 20, oh God, I can't even remember. I think it came out in 2015, the first edition. And... Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, I called it. <laughs> I basically went... <laughs> Fucking switch. I went, look, here's what's happened. Uh, the government has started to rely increasingly on some very, very, very big companies that you've never really heard of, or you, they kind of drift into your consciousness. As an average member of the public, they, they will drift into your consciousness every so often. There'll be a big scandal. Like, you remember that one time when we had to call the army in during the Olympics? <laughs> and oh, everyone shit. went, what the fuck is that all about? And, well, that was an outsourcing scandal and then everyone just sort of forgets about so, this stuff so let's go let's go back to the beginning um because what we're what, what are we looking at sort of with pfi and outsourcing and what's the difference so pfi is so pfi is basically a way of funding the building of schools hospitals places like that the way it normally works is that a council will basically uh, borrow the money from bond markets they will uh, uh you know they borrow the money, they build the building, it's paid off the standard way. The PFI way is that the um, is that the companies will take... Whoa. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I have, uh, I've let my mic slip. Uh, the companies will take the loans um, and the government will pay the companies back over a very long period of time and they will pay them a very large amount of money. And... Um, Basically, the it sounds like a great deal, and in all things that involve the government dealing with the private sector, it often isn't. <laughs> is, it, is it all just like the monorail scene from The Simpsons? It is a, the the Simpsons episode of the monorail is literally <laughs> all that needs to be said on the uh, PFI scandal. That's that's it. There is nothing else to be said. So th- this was a Tony Blair thing, right? Uh, I think there was some John Major stuff, but basically it was Blair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's really Blair. It's really third way. It's really like you can have your cake classic hard leftism, yeah, huh? Yeah, it's it's like it's muscular centrism. That's you can have your cake and eat it. Oh, you're choking on the cake. Oh, the cake is the cake is it's sw- up all over the floor. Unfortunately, we iced a waiver onto the cake, so you can't sue us. It's it's swole centricism. It's soul swent centricism. It's veiny um, centrism. Yeah. But I mean, what it, it, what it actually point, yeah. is is generational warfare. I think it is fair to, to 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 talk about it as another massive load of debt that is passed on to later generations because these contracts are so big. Like, they're going on. So what are some of the contracts for? We have no building, but also there are other ones, right? Yeah, yeah, there's road building. It's infrastructure stuff, Mm. right? So, I mean, that's kind of the PFI thing. And and linked to that is outsourcing because Carillion, for example, is an outsourcing firm that would have been building and these firms. Every one of our listeners and would <laughs> every one of our British listeners would have seen that this firm went into administration recently, right? And was followed by another one, Capita, which was doing similar things. Our American listeners might not know who these are, but basically, these are companies that just went completely tits up, yeah. uh, all while basically taking money from the government, kind of like a really really fat vampire that can no longer support its own weight <laughs> exactly now like actually um it, so in the carillion uh thing it's quite difficult to work out like quantify exactly what the cost to the taxpayer is going to be from all this because it's kind of i mean theoretically most of these contracts can just be given 
can be brought in house or like given to other companies, but it never runs that smoothly. It's never that simple. And also the companies that, that are then bidding are, you know, like you are really like a captive consumer as the government. So, so taxpayers are going to lose money from all this, but there's a much bigger issue behind all of this stuff, which is that no one's noticed that we're totally in hock to these companies as they've grown and grown and grown over the last like 25, 30 years. There's no, I did a load of research on the history of this, right? I went through all the uh, papers that like Blair's people that, that, that their sort of books on how they formulate their policy and stuff like outsourcing and the growth of it just seemed to kind of happen by accident like as a kind of like <laughs> it was like oh shit suddenly like we're spending billions on these four companies what the hell is going on and um uh, and it brings that just a whole bunch of problems when you when you bring the private sector in to it's like look you, you can't do everything as the state right so you, you need a company that will provide your office stationery or your bin collection or whatever but once you start bringing them in to like test disabled people <laughs> to do like probation services with people who probably have mental health and drink and drug addictions like these these are not exact like that it's very hard to kind of quantify that kind of work and so what happens is there's already been fraud like you know with people just gaming the system Mm. because they all have a profit incentive in the way that the state doesn't but additionally what the state does is and this was another transformation that happened under blair is the state initially saw the running of government as a matter of kind of targets and numbers so they don't say they don't they if they're outsourcing testing sort of disabled people uh for really having disabilities which they shouldn't do already uh onto a onto a private firm then you and you're saying to the firm, by the way, we're expecting you to use inventive measures right, right. to cut the number of people on these payments down just because, I don't. well, either they assume that they're fraudulent or they're just allowing the company to do what they will. Then, well, of course, the, then the, the government can say, well, we didn't kick the disabled people off the it's, rolls. It's a huge thing where basically if you look at with the disabled people stuff, right, you, uh, you, you have these uh, companies going, look yeah, we just basically passed someone as fit for work who was about to die two days later, but it's not our fault. It's the test that they set, <laughs> which we got from the government. And then the government will go, no, no, it's the way they implemented our test. I think you're fine. And by that point, by the time that argument has played out, no one knows who to blame. And that, that stretches across a whole bunch of different things, like how you deal with asylum seekers, like the guy, Jimmy Babenga, who died quite a few years ago now, who was like asphyxiated on a flight by two mm. guards. Now, they swear blind that they were just enacting what the Home Office told them to do. And the Home Office said, oh, no, 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 G4S, which was the company are culpable. They went through every tier of the legal system, right? There were appeals and, and inquests. And still at the end of all that, no one really knows whose fault is it. Like, someone is definitely to blame, but, mm. but it's never really been established who. It's the same with uh, the treatment of kids in uh, youth detention centres. It's like the most vulnerable people in society, all of these people who uh, come into contact with outsourcing companies, I don't think there are really more vulnerable people outside of like hospital patients. Mm. So it matters this stuff. If even, you care about social justice, you need to care about outsourcing. But even in hospital patients, quite often will come into contact with outsourcing companies through stuff like food, right? Right. And Karelian uh, once served me the worst food I've ever eaten. But that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. um, so, like the. Um, 
you know, it's not like this stuff doesn't happen in the state sector. It's not even like the target-driven culture doesn't cause problems in the state sector. Like, look at what happened in Mid-Staffs, which was a big hospital in the UK where a lot of bad shit went down. Um, like, but the, the issue is that once you bring in a profit incentive, mm. you automatically, you know, there's always going to be an incentive to try and gain the system. There's always going to be questions over the accountability and the transparency. Yeah. Like, I, as a journalist, can't find out how they're saving money in a way that I could with statutory sector contracts. Well, because you can't, like, FOI and stuff. Do you, do you think they are saving money, even? Or well, are they just siphoning... So, so, like, on the surface of it, totally. But you don't say... I mean, one thing you can say with confidence is you don't save the money when you have to bring the fucking army in to police the Olympics. You, you definitely well, lose money there. That's <laughs> the thing, isn't it? It's kind of like, you know, they'll reap the rewards of it still, but all the risk and all the kind yeah. of shit that happens when you enter risk territory is then picked up that by the government. That is definitely the thing. And, and yet the companies themselves have said like, actually, uh, it's, this has all changed in the last few years and actually now the risk is too much on us. Yeah. So we have this really like unaccountable, messy system. I mean, they all say this themselves, the companies, um, but but the risk is too far on us. And actually, if you look at the last few headlines, maybe they have a point. Like they're going under. They're not making big profits. That's the weirdest thing about this whole <laughs> game. They're sort of they're big companies, and these contracts are just like really low margin, most of them, and just go on and on for years. And they exist so that the companies can kind of exist and make money from other stuff, right? It's it's a really weird thing where. It's not quite as simple as just like shameless profiteering. I mean, it basically is once you get to the overall picture, but within the context of those contracts, it's not. So what what happened then with Carillion? So they basically just uh, overstretched. So they went into, they were different to like uh, the G4Ss and the Circos and all that, and that they were just uh, doing building contracts. They got involved in like road building and a couple of other things. And they just, and those things basically, they run, we know this, like they run over budget and they're a huge margin. You get a big payoff if you pull it off, but if it goes tits up, which it did, uh, you're in trouble. So they got in big trouble. And, and I mean, what's there's a whole bunch of stuff like coming out of the select committees because the, the weird thing is when this sort of shit goes down, like Parliament really does go into action in a way you wouldn't believe. Like they really do dig into it. And the stuff that's coming out of this select committees is amazing about mismanagement and all the rest of it. Um, and like, like I think it's true of, it feels to me like sort of 75% of businesses are like largely like a confidence trick. Right? So, <laughs> so as long as like everything's going well, then there's loads of money sloshing around. But the minute like the, the whole house of cards collapses, then suddenly all these like horrific errors are revealed. Um, and that was so Carillion basically. I mean, they were brought down by like three or four contracts um, ultimately. Mm. Um, and that's not a thing that you want like a hot, you know, you, your kids school meals in Stoke to be like reliant on a company that could go under at any second. That's not a great model for society. <laughs> that freedom, feel, baby. Oh, I, mean, I may be going out on a limb. <laughs> Fucking love freedom. Well, you know, like when, you know, and I, I, I mean, I was going to ask, how do you think when this whole like Brexit thing kind of whatever in whatever form it comes out to be in the next kind of 12, 13 months, yeah. 
what you know do you think that like success of governments like will they kind of continue to use outsourcing because it feels like it's such a large it's such a large and embedded system like now bring, this is the thing like so mcdonald makes a load of noise he says i'm going to bring all these contracts in house yeah blah, blah, blah. the thing is it's much harder to do that than uh, you might think because they're all like the, the commercial law around them is really arcane like you will be hit with loads and loads of of uh, essentially fines if you just pull them in. Yeah. Um, like Brexit is interesting because I think our whole economy is going to, like I feel like our economy after Brexit could be largely um, uh, bottled out to China and cattle prods to the Middle East to suppress protests. <laughs> That's really the model. Don't, let's, let's, not, let's not forget um, planes with training wheels sold to like, you know, inbred princes in Saudi so that they can like make sure that like, you know, the free market stays happening in Yemen because they're clearing hosp- like busy hospitals. Yeah. Uh, and like what this means for the outsourcing companies, I don't really know. I think um, from what I gather, like some of them have like these kind of big international models and actually Britain is not such a huge deal to them, but others. So like there was a weird thing where Sir Britain not being a huge deal, talking down yeah, Brexit know, again. Can you believe this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a weird thing where like Serco, the head of Serco, like got involved in an exchange of letters with David Cameron going like Brexit is going to be a nightmare. It's going to destroy everything. So I know they're like from the top, like really anti-Brexit. Well, there's one, one thing that sort of, I think gets talked about quite a bit. And one thing I'll confess, I'm a little worried about is largely that sort of after Brexit, this kind of thing might get applied to the NHS. Uh, so, yeah, so there was this new thing, uh, what are they called? Acca- accountable care organizations? Oh, God, any, anything with a name like that, you know is euthanizing people low-key. Right. Yeah, so this is, this is apparently like, uh, it's really, really like nascent, but it's one of those things that I think campaigners like are very quick to pick up on and have realized that actually it's going to be another tool for more privatization. I mean, the thing with outsourcing in the NHS is that they tried it once with Circle Healthcare, where they basically did a giant outsourcing project, and it went so badly wrong that they've kind of had their fingers burnt a bit. So outsourcing is happening with health, but it's happening really slowly. Well, like Virgin Care, for example. Yeah, they are the big players, and mm. there's been problems. And again, as with the other stuff, there's been uh, situations where the system has clearly like been gamed a bit. That happened with Serco and like out of hours GPs. Um, and there's been a couple of like virgin virgin care stories. They are remarkably punchy when you try and report on them as well, which is kind of interesting because you kind of have this thing, right? That as a journalist, if you report on government, government will kind of go, look, we're trying to correct you here. We're trying to help you, but they won't like go after you, right? And that's just, that's like... Unless you're at Azizis. And you kind of, as a journalist, go, well, that's cool because my taxes pay for you. So don't, like, try and attack me. But, like, Virgin, definitely, I know we've done stuff in the past and it's like, whoa, this is like writing about you know, Goldman Sachs or, or, you know, Max Mosley or something. <laughs> Richard, Richard Branson will come after you in your sleep. Well, he came yeah. after Corbs. <laughs> you know, he, He'll um, make sure you never get, you, you never get a seat on one of his trains. Richard, Richard Branson. Well, he's done that. <laughs> oh, God. and the, the, can we talk about the, by the way, can we talk about the fucking millennial rail card for a second? This just, this brings this I, up to me. I couldn't get a I'm rail so card. Fu- I'm so like, I, I, I don't even have a joke about this. I'm just so fucking furious. Not because you didn't get a rail well, card. Uh, 
A, yes. <laughs> B, like the extent to like this is clear like this is such a cop out from Hammond, right? Like, oh, we're gonna give you a millennial rail card to some of you. Now do a fucking do a fucking Hunger Games to get you know cheaper <laughs> tickets to your fucking stag do. But the, and then, but then the fucking response out from from Virgin of oh we know millennials have no money, bring an avocado, and then oh it's and and we'll give you a third off of a rail fare somewhere within a week. Mm. It's 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 making the joke of like oh you're economically disenfranchised forever uh isn't that funny a anyway third off a trip to hull lucky me <laughs> i mean it was like it was easily the fifth worst thing i branded on twitter this week <laughs> <laughs> like I, I personally i i can't i can't wait i can't, I can't wait I mean, this was the week when we had colonel saunders's wife so you know that, <laughs> i mean yeah like, how, how better to, to celebrate international women's day than like you know changing the the brand name on Colonel Sanders, flipping the M in McDonald's upside down, and appointing a known torturer to the head of the CIA. Great. Thanks. What Wonderful. I'm glad that, you know, everyone's so fucking empowered. All I'm saying is that Wimpy is the most woke uh, fast food chain. No, because Wimpy is, uh, he's a pay pig. He, <laughs> no, he is Wendy's pay pig. Uh, and he's like, he, the reason he always says, I'll glad you pay you tomorrow for a hamburger today is because uh, he's actually like wearing a fucking, uh, <laughs> with a fucking chastity belt, just popping a huge boner because like, you know, all of his paychecks are going to Wendy and he just like gets webcam videos of her like putting his money through her hair. I'm like, yeah, you like that Wimpy? You like watching me? spend your fucking money. Did That's we, the kind of lip. We did the bender in a bun, right? Which was just a large bent sausage. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was like a signature dish. And I, I don't know why. I bet it fucking is. This is, this is. this is the kind of future that liberals want and yeah, I'm all here like, for it. <laughs> you know, it's, I'll, I'll also, you know, International Working Women's Day, but that, that was a few days ago and we're an all-male podcast right now, so we shouldn't yeah. talk too much about that. Yeah, we're, we're only male fem- feminists when it suits us. So. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, so yeah, I mean, no, I was just going to say, like, I was, I was just thinking about, like, the whole Virgin branding thing and just, like, brands in, you know, brands in general... Um, and how they sort of offset these types of big discussions. Um, cause I think like there was, there was, I, there was remarkably like little attention paid to that really bad virgin tweet about the avocado. And I sort of wonder whether like we're now sort of accepting that Richard Branson, you know, is here to stay and what that means in terms of like, again, with the whole outsourcing thing, right? We're like, we're just not paying attention. Are you saying if, if you might like have uh, emo- emojis from G4S detention centers? Like, <laughs> Yarlswood's uh, high-quality viral content. Yeah, well, I mean... Actually, there's been weird things where they kind of try to do it. I I mean, at what point will, like, you know... (laughs) At what point will, like, Circo come to us and be like, can you make us a podcast? Because we really want to be accessible. I mean, it's... it's, That's just... it's, It's... it is just sort of more woke brands, right? Like it's, it's, there's... At some point, like, Carillion's going to say, you know, actually, we're helping you fast. Mm. and be we more healthy with actually, Instagram you know, inspiration. So loads of like rail companies do this, right? So like Southern Rail and Southeastern Rail, like, you know, they awful franchises, which like, I don't know how, how much you know about trains or like Not train. as much as Jim Mortison. Yeah, but Jim won't come on. Jim's too smart for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But we keep we keep we, we laid out a, a bear trap with a yellow beanie in it that he wouldn't come in. 
Um, but like I've noticed with like train companies that they sort of do that. So they have like their social media kids who are basically, and a couple of weeks ago when, um, I, I think it was just after this, the big snow, the, the big, the beast from the East, as they say, um, which is, you know, to a Canadian like you probably means very little. I've lived here for seven years. I don't know what <laughs> fucking snow looks like anymore. Um, but, uh, they were basically trying to like, you were seeing the social media intern at Southeastern Rail basically go into this gradual like breakdown as, you know, all the trains are just like stopped working because of one particular fault. And then there were like passengers going on the tracks and everything. So this kind of brand that has tried to like make an effort to be more woke and like use emojis and be really fun and accessible, all of a sudden is kind of like acting really authoritarian. It's like, it was really funny to like just watch the whole thing. You first once made a Twitter joke and made it about... Uh, full body cavity search. No! They sent me a gif of like uh, someone slapping on rubber gloves because I was like tweeting, wow, loads of do for us at this yeah. story conference. And they tweet, they made a joke about it, right? And so Twitter just lights up. And within seconds, this tweet was deleted. And they had to. But not before it. it was screenshotted. <laughs> you just, you, you know. And, yeah. Um, but the thing is, maybe that is the future. You know, maybe that's where we're going, where any brand. Any brand can do banter. So that's why we our podcast is named how it is. <laughs> I, mean, um, I mean, that's why like my next job, once I get fired from the one that I currently have, um, is going to be for, um, shit, what's this company? The blood, blood company. Theranos. Yeah. 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 yeah you're going to do the branter for Theranos uh, prison edition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's uh it's about that time again uh but do you have any any concluding thoughts on outsourcing what can or we just do anything or generally. is is the answer as our, our 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 sort of uh friend podcast real politic likes to say nationalization without compensation i mean i just think that you know one of the most shocking things is that they make designer clothes and outsource prisons i find that amazing they make anya Heinmarch handbags and, and this is a charitable initiative right so you have an outsourced prison and, and people can buy uh, designer stuff from like Brewer and Andy Hindmarch and they say, you know, this is, um, this is fine. This is like helping people get on the right path and stuff. Um, I would be okay with it if they made corn uh, <laughs> chains. That would at least be, you know. They'd at least get more extreme. Exactly. Uh, that's so, all I have. So, so, if, so if outsourcing companies were responsible for like the return of new metal, then they'd be good. Could they be good? I think they could be good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that's the only circumstance where like they could be good. If they somehow like brought back... Papa Roach. Yeah. <laughs> if they, you know, uh, uh, cut my handbag into pieces. <laughs> <laughs> this is my outsourcing contract. <laughs> oh my God. Who's it play out with that song? <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 nationalization, no compensation. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I think that's that's my final word. Nationalization without compensation. We're a smart show. Fuck you. We're so smart, Alan. Thank it's you, <laughs> Alan. Alan, I'm gonna say thank you so much for for coming on thank you for today. Thank you. Our, our song has been Ginseng by. Uh, nope, that's not it. Our song has been Here We Go by Ginseng. Uh, you can find it on Spotify. And hey, uh, if any of you have noticed that you're sort of persistently shirtless, we may have an answer for you soon. Oh, I was. Is, is this like a white coat? Oh, no, no, it's not a white coat thing. Okay, all right. Okay, okay we'll leave this. All right, later, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>